Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And throughout this series, we've been talking about statements that people commonly believe are in the Bible that really aren't there. And we've been talking about these statements because every one of them has the potential to be destructive to our faith and to the faith of other people. And that's definitely the case for the statement that we're going to be talking about today. And that statement is, love the sinner, hate the sin. Now that statement definitely sounds like something you could find in the Bible, but it's not there. Instead, what we actually find in the Bible is Jesus telling us to love our neighbor. So let's get right into this episode sermon and figure out why that's such a big deal. So over the last couple of weeks here at Melbourne Heights, we have been talking about things the Bible doesn't say. Now, obviously, there are lots of things that the Bible doesn't say. So specifically, we've been focused in on and talking about statements that people commonly believe are in the Bible, even though they aren't. And we've been talking about these statements because when we believe the Bible says things the Bible doesn't actually say, it can distort our understanding of who God is, and it can distort our understanding of who we are. Or, to put it another way for you, sometimes the things we don't know about the Bible can hurt us. Sometimes the things we don't know about the Bible can hurt us. So over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about statements like, everything happens for a reason. And we've seen that this statement, which is not in the Bible, it distorts our understanding of who God is, and it distorts our understanding of who we are. Because when you believe that everything happens for a reason, you ultimately have to believe that God is a monster that is responsible for every act of violence, every act of abuse, every act of warfare and murder that ever takes place. And you also have to believe that we as human beings are nothing more than robots who have no real choice in anything that we say. We've also spent some time over the last couple of weeks talking about the statement that God helps those who help themselves. And we saw that this statement, which isn't in the Bible either, is just flat out not true. Because time and time again in the Bible, God shows us that God helps those who cannot help themselves. And God wants to use us to do it. And then last week, we spent our time together talking about the saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And we saw that when we believe this statement, which isn't in the Bible either, that it keeps us from being able to acknowledge that whenever you or I read the Bible, that we all interpret the Bible. And when we can't acknowledge the fact that we all interpret the Bible when we read it, then we can't make sure that we're reading the Bible through the right lens and interpreting it through the right lens. And that lens is Jesus. And that brings us to today. And today we're going to be talking about another one of those statements that people commonly believe is in the Bible, even though it isn't. So what statement are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about this one. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Now, when you first hear this particular statement, it's not hard to kind of figure out why so many people believe that that statement would be in the Bible. I mean, depending on which translation of the Bible you're reading, you can find the word love used somewhere between 500 and 800 times in our English translations of the Bible. In the Gospels alone, in the biographies of Jesus alone, the word love is used more than 70 
dots. So you run across the word love a lot when you're reading through the Bible. When you're reading through the Bible, you'll find the word love in a lot of passages like 1 John 4, 8 that tells us God is love. And you'll find the word love used in passages like Matthew 5, 44 that says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So you can find the word love used a lot throughout the Bible. And the word sinner, well, the word sinner isn't exactly a rare word to find used in the Bible either. The word sinner appears over 60 times inside of our English translations of the Bible. So this means that you can find the word sinner used in passages like Mark 2.17, where we're told, I didn't, where Jesus says, I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Or you'll see it again in passages like Luke 7, verse 34, where Jesus is referred to as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You can even find the word love and sinner used in the same verses inside of the Bible, like in Luke 6.32, where we read, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. So, since the word love and sinners are so commonly found inside of the Bible, it's not hard to understand why people would easily believe that the statement, love the sinner and hate the sin, would be in the Bible. But it's not. The reality is that this idea of love the sinner and hate the sin doesn't even emerge until at least 300 years after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And that's because the very first time that we see any evidence of this kind of sentiment at all is in a letter that was written by St. Augustine. Now, St. Augustine was an early leader in the church. He was a bishop from North Africa, and he lived in the late 4th century and the early 5th century. And we find him share this kind of sentiment inside of a letter that he sends to a group of nuns that he was encouraging to continue to, be, to remain chaste. And in this letter that Augustine sends to these nuns, he tells them to have a love for mankind and a hatred for sins. Have a love for mankind and a hatred for sin. But if you read all of Augustine's letter, it's not hard to see that when Augustine says, have a love for mankind and a hatred for sin, he's not using that statement the same way that people use the statement, love the sinner, hate the sin today. Because when you hear people say love the sinner and hate the sin today, usually the part of that that they're focused in on is the sin part of that. And they're focused in on the sins that other people commit. But when Augustine told those nuns and tells all of us that we should have a love for mankind and a hatred for sin, he's making it pretty clear that we're supposed to love all people, but we're supposed to have a hatred for our own sin. So, if the Bible doesn't say to love the sinner and hate the sin, then what does the Bible say? Well, let's start by talking about what the Bible has to say about sin. But before we can talk about what the Bible has to say about sin, we need to take just a minute and admit that we in the church, we don't exactly have a great history when it comes to our conversations about sin. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're talking about one of those old school preachers who pounds on the pulpit while they rant and rave about a particular wrongdoing on public access television. Or if you're talking about a certain small church in Kansas who had a history of picketing and protesting at funerals while they proclaimed who God hated. We in the church have a history of using our conversations about sin to bully other people instead of reflecting on our own shortcomings. But whether we want to admit it or not, 
we all have plenty of our own shortcomings. Whether we want to admit it or not, we all have plenty of our own flaws and our own failures. Whether we want to admit it or not, we all have plenty of sin in our lives. And this is something that the Apostle Paul, who was the foremost missionary and theologian of the first century, makes abundantly clear in a letter that he writes to Christians living in the city of Rome. In this letter, Paul tells these Christians, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What this means is that we have all sinned. You have sinned. I have sinned. Every one of us has sinned. But what exactly does that mean? What does it mean? sin. Because sin is one of those words that we use all the time in church. And because we use it so much in church, we all kind of sort of know what the word sin means. And that means that we never really stop and try to define it. So if you were to walk in just about any church around today, and you were to ask somebody inside of that church, what does the word sin mean? You'd probably hear answers like, well, a sin is when you do something that's wrong. Or you sin when you break one of the Ten Commandments. Or you sin when you disobey God. And all of those answers are on the right track, but they're only partially there. So what does the word sin mean? Well, the word that we translate as sin in English, the Greek word is the word hamartia. And the word hamartia literally means to miss the mark. And when you hear that statement, to miss the mark, it should make you think about archery. Now, in archery, everyone has a bullseye that they're aiming at. They have a mark that they're trying to hit when they release their arrow. So, they hamartia, they miss the mark, or they sin when they don't hit that bullseye that they're shooting for. And Jesus tells us, as his followers, the bullseye that we are supposed to be aiming for in our lives. And he tells us this in Matthew chapter 22. And, yeah, we just looked at this passage last week, but it's always worth revisiting. So Matthew 22, Jesus is asked a question by a legal expert. The legal expert asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, this is what Jesus tells us. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. So in this passage, Jesus is telling us that mark, that bullseye that we should be aiming for in our lives, and the mark that we are aiming for is to love God and to love our neighbors. So, when we think about that, what we need to understand is that we are, this, is, this is our target. This is what we're shooting for. So if we miss that mark, if we hum our tia, if we sin, what that means is that we have done things that are inconsistent. We have said, we have done, we have thought things that are inconsistent with loving God and with loving our neighbors. So that's what a sin is. A sin is when you miss the mark of loving God and loving your neighbors. So let's take a step back for just a second. Let's talk about what we've talked about so far together and make sure that we're making all the connections. So up to this point in the sermon, we've talked about sin. And what we've said said about sin is that we have all sinned. And what that means is that we have all missed the mark. We have all done things that are inconsistent with loving God and with loving our neighbors. Now, let's spin it forward. So, if we have all sinned, if we have all done things that are inconsistent with loving God and loving our neighbors, then that means that we should love the sinner, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, we should love 
consider because the Bible makes it clear to us that we're supposed to love everyone. And since we have all sinned, we can't love everyone if we don't love people who sin, right? Common sense. This is something that Jesus lives out for us. Jesus lives a life where he loves the sinners. We see it all throughout the Bible that Jesus loves sinners. The Apostle Paul goes so far as to say in the book of Romans that Jesus Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And he finishes up that statement by saying, and I am the worst sinner of them all. So, what this means is that if Jesus didn't love sinners, then Jesus couldn't love us. If Jesus didn't love sinners, then Jesus couldn't love us. But here's the thing. There is no place in the Bible there is no place where Jesus explicitly tells us to love the sinner. There's no place. You cannot find a place in the Bible. You cannot find a place in the gospel where Jesus tells us explicitly to love the sinner. So what does the Bible, what, do, what does Jesus explicitly tell us? Well, we read it just a minute ago. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, Jesus tells us, you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus tells us to love our neighbor, not to love the sinner. Now, I know that, that there probably doesn't seem to be a huge difference between saying love your neighbor versus love the sinner, because we all know that we're all sinners and we're supposed to love our neighbors and we're supposed to love the sinner. But there is a huge distinction between those two words that we don't need to miss out on. And here's what it is. When you talk about loving the sinner, when you focus in on the sinner, what you're focusing in on is a person's actions. You're focusing in on the things that people do. But when you focus on the neighbor, when you focus on your neighbor, you're thinking about a person. You're thinking about who they are. So Jesus knows that if he tells us to love the sinner instead of loving our neighbor, that we're only going to focus in on a person's actions. We're only going to think about those things that they do if we're not going to think about who they are. And when that happens, when we only focus in on somebody else's actions and the things that another person does, it makes it really easy for us to judge other people. Here's what it would look like, okay? So if I love you like you are a sinner, which you are, what it would look like is I am only going to focus in on those things in your life that you do that are wrong. And every time that you do something else that's wrong, I'm going to pat myself on the back, and I'm going to congratulate myself, and I'm going to say, I'm such a great person because I can graciously love a horrible sinner like you. All the while, I forget that I'm a horrible sinner, too. And that's the problem. When I start thinking that you're a horrible sinner and I forget that I am a horrible sinner, I start getting a puffed-up ego and a puffed-up attitude about myself. And the Bible is very clear that that's not the way that we are supposed to think about ourselves. In passages like Luke 18, verse 14, we're told that all who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, we're told, Why do you see the splinter that's in your brother or your sister's eye, which don't notice the log that's sticking out of your own? So in these passages, Jesus is telling us how we're supposed to Jesus is telling us that we are supposed to love our neighbor instead of loving the sinner 
because Jesus wants us to keep the right perspective. And that's because real love, real love isn't about loving someone in spite of the things they do. Real love is about loving someone for who they are. Real love isn't about loving someone in spite of the things they do. Real love is about loving someone for who they are. Okay. So, so far in the sermon today, we've talked about why it is that Jesus tells us to love our neighbor and not to love the sinner. That's to keep things in the right perspective. But what about the second part of that saying, love the sinner and hate the sinner? We're still supposed to hate sin, right? I mean, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12, verse 9, that we are supposed to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. So that means we're supposed to hate sin, aren't we? Well, the problem with thinking that way is that's not how Jesus lived his life. And remember, we talked about this last week. When we read the Bible, we are reading everything through the lens of Jesus. And whenever we see things that are inconsistent with the way that Jesus lived his life or the things that Jesus taught us, we're supposed to always side with Jesus. So, in Jesus' life, he spends plenty of time interacting with folks that most of us would have no problem labeling as sinners. Jesus hangs out with people that are adulterers and thieves. He spends time with people who are drunkards and people that are traitors and so many more. Jesus spends time with them. He shares meals with them. He heals them. He even calls them to be his disciples. But one thing that you don't find when Jesus is talking with these people, never once does he say, I love you, but I hate your sin. Instead, when Jesus is interacting with one of these quote-unquote sinful people, Jesus usually doesn't spend much time at all talking about their sin. But he spends a whole lot of time talking about God's forgiveness. That's what we see modeled. That's what we see lived out. Jesus' life. And that's what I think the Apostle Paul was really hitting at in Romans 12, verse 9, when he tells us to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. Because right before Paul tells us that, he actually says, love should be shown without pretending. I love that. Love should be shown without pretending. And what does that mean? Well, it means that you can't say that you love somebody in one breath and then turn right around and judge them in your next breath. And this is something that one of the most influential Christians of the last hundred years lived out in his life. Um, Billy Graham's oldest daughter, Gigi, shares a story um, in an interview that was conducted with her about the time that she attended Time Magazine's 75th anniversary celebration as her father's victim. This celebration of Time Magazine happened in Washington, D.C., and it just so happened that President Bill Clinton was one of the featured speakers at this event. And this event took place not too long after President Clinton was impeached for perjury and for obstruction of justice because he lied about his relationship with Monica Lewinsky. Now, as it turned out, Billy Graham and his daughter Gigi would be seated at the same table as the President and the First Lady that morning. So if Billy Graham believed that you should love the sinner and hate the sin, this would have been the perfect time for him to hate the sins of Bill Clinton. This would have been the perfect time for Billy Graham to call President Clinton out for the way that he was living his life. But that's not at all what Billy Graham does. His daughter Gigi shares that he was warm and gracious to the first family all throughout their time together that day. And then when Time Magazine's celebration came to an end, 
Billy Graham and Gigi were headed back to their hotel. They spent their time talking about what was happening with the Clinton family. They talked about how hard it has to be to have so many people talking about you and having everyone judging your behavior. That's when Billy Graham shared his thought on the subject. This is what he told his daughter. That it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's our job to love. Let me say that again because this might be the most important thing I said in this message today. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's our job to love. Now, does that mean that we're supposed to turn a blind eye to all of the sin that happens in the world around us? No. There are sins that we need to hate. There are sins that we need to denounce. We need to hate and we need to denounce sins that inflict harm on other people, that oppress other people, that inflict evil upon other people. We need to hate and we need to denounce sins like child abuse or spousal abuse or racism. We need to hate and we need to denounce sins like human trafficking. We need to hate and we need to denounce the fact that we can live in a world with so much where we see people that are still starving to death every single day. We need to hate and we need to denounce the fact that there are dictators in this world that will invade sovereign nations and inflict untold evil upon other people for no good reason at all. And when we see these kinds of evils happening in the world around us. When we speak out against them, we need to do what we're told to do in the book of Proverbs when it says, speak out on behalf of the voices and for the rights of all who are vulnerable. It's part of what we're called to do, to speak out on behalf of the voiceless and for the rights of all who are vulnerable. But we also can't forget an unmistakable reality when it comes to God. We talked about it at the beginning of the service, at the beginning of the sermon. In 1 John 4, 8, we're told that God is love. We cannot forget that God is a God of love. And we also need to remember what Billy Graham told us when he said it's our job to love. So what this means is that when it comes to the statement, love the sinner and hate the sins, the truth in that statement is the very first one. supposed to love each other. We're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So we need to stop saying, love the sinner and hate the sin. We just need to focus in on the part about love. Because it's our job to love one another. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know that we in the church don't have a great reputation when it comes to the way that we talk about sin. We have no problem pointing out the speck of dust that is in someone else's eye while we refuse to acknowledge that we've got a log sticking out of our own eyes. But God, our job is not to judge. That's your job. Our job is not to convict other people of the sin in their life. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So God, help us to not focus in on seeing people like they are sinners. Instead, let us look at people around us and see them as our neighbors. Let us focus on the people that you created, who they are, and 
love them the same way that you love us all now. Let us never forget that our highest calling as your followers is to love one another the way that you have loved us all. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this sermon has challenged you to stop saying love the sinner and hate the sin. Because not only is it not in the Bible, it also isn't what Jesus teaches us. Jesus teaches us to love our neighbor. And he does that because if we focus in on someone and treat them like they're a sinner, we're only going to focus on their actions and we're going to become very judgmental. But when we focus in on loving our neighbor, we're going to see the person, a person who has been created by God with infinite value and infinite worth. And it makes it a whole lot easier for us to love them. So let's not say love the sinner and hate the sin. Let's focus on that first word and let's love because that's our job. Well, in our next episode, we are going to be finishing up our sermon series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And we're going to be taking it one last saying that people commonly believe is in the Bible that really isn't. And that statement is, God won't give you more than you can handle. So that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're there, let me encourage you to leave us a rating and a review to help spread the word about this podcast with other people. And also remember that you can come and you can worship with us every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We would love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I will be praying for you and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.